Welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast and our apologies for not recording one last week. We've been very busy, we've been traveling, we've been making really great reports, more on that later. But we may have to move to a bi-weekly schedule for this podcast. Uh, we'll see how things evolve, but we also welcome your feedback as always. So if you have anything that you would like to share about the podcast, why you like it, if you'd like to have us do it every two weeks or every week, if you really like it more frequently, then by all means, let us know. Uh, now let me welcome back uh, Shaheen, our awesome reporter and data analyst, who's joining me for the podcast again. Hi, Robin. Hey, Shaheen. You were the main author of our funding report for 2016, which we released in January. But now we've also just come out with a report on European technology exits, or put differently, all the acquisitions and the mergers and the IPOs of uh, European tech companies we've seen and vetted last year. Can you share with us some takeaways from the report? Sure. Well, 2016 was an outstanding year thanks to two very large acquisitions of semiconductor companies, NXP acquired by Qualcomm and Arm Group acquired by SoftBank. Thanks to those transactions, it was a record year in terms of volume. Out of the deals we tracked and whose amounts were disclosed, the total value went up nearly 8% to 160 billion euros. However, the total number of transactions actually went down compared to the year before. We've monitored 658 deals, down about 8% compared to 2015. So the main takeaways are that we are seeing fewer deals, but more large transactions. We're also seeing more foreign investment with the most funds for acquisitions coming from the US, China, and Japan. And if we look only at transactions involving VC-backed companies, volume went up nearly 11% to 40 billion euros, and the number of deals also increased 6.5% to 298 deals. The largest VC-backed company exit was Supercell, which Tencent acquired at a valuation of more than 10 billion euros, making it Europe's first ever private so-called decacorn in tech. Also noteworthy were a number of IPOs like the ones from Germany-based Trivago and DutchTakeaway.com. But our report also shows that going public is rare for European tech firms. In 2016, there were just 26 IPOs by European tech companies, down about 19% from 32 in 2015. Wow. Thanks, Shaheen. Uh, we'll have to see how that evolves uh, for this year. Uh, but I doubt that we're going to see the number of IPOs actually increase significantly. Um, I highly doubt it. Just this week, there was a report about Spotify possibly putting off its IPO uh, until 2018 uh, rather than this year, uh, like pretty much everyone was expecting at this point. But obviously, it's, it's too soon to make any conclusions about 2017. On the other hand, we've already seen some major deals happening in the past few weeks, so it could go either way. Uh, but very good to see that 2016 was as active as it was. So one of the deals that we would like to talk about, one of the recent ones, is uh, Barcelona-based smartphone games developer Social Point. They were acquired by Take-Two for $250 million, uh, the majority of which was in cash, uh, $175 million to be exact. Uh, so that's obviously a major win for the company, which had only raised about 40 million euros from the likes of Nauta Capital, also from Barcelona, ID Invest Partners, Greylock Partners, uh, BVA Ventures, Highland Europe, and a couple of other investors. Social Point, whose games uh, you might know, uh, Dragonland, Monster Legends are the most uh, famous ones, uh, was founded in 2008 and currently employs about 270 people. So that's a pretty big deal for them. Another major deal happened in the UK, where Zoopla agreed to buy property data company HomeTrack for £120 million. Zoopla's real estate platform allows users to search for homes to buy and rent and provides valuations. The company hopes the acquisition of HomeTrack will help it provide its customers with better data on the housing market. 
Zoopla also owns the price comparison service, USwitch, and the property sales website, Prime Location. HomeTrack, meanwhile, was established in 1999 and will continue to operate as a standalone service after the deal. Yep. So those were two pretty significant acquisitions that we saw in uh, the last two weeks. There was also quite some activity on the funding front, uh, most notably in Vienna, actually. Inside Venture Partners, a leading global private equity and VC firm, uh, has invested a whopping $165 million into an Austrian software testing company called Tricentis. And that was not, not even the biggest funding round we've seen in 2017 so far, as Barcelona and New York-based Letgo, uh, which is a mobile marketplace to buy and sell locally, has announced $175 million in new funding two weeks ago from investors like Naspers, Excel, New Enterprise Associates, and others. And actually, in, Inside Venture Partners was also involved in that round. And there have also been a couple of other interesting financing rounds. Um, we're not going to mention all of them because there's so many of them every week. But some interesting ones were uh, France-based fashion e-commerce company uh, Vestiaire Collective. They raised 58 million euros in a funding round led by Vitruvian Partners uh, with participation from existing investors. And then there was a Belgian data governance software firm, uh, Colibra. Uh, They raised 50 million dollars from new and previous backers. And now for something completely different. Uh, Two weeks ago, I went to Amsterdam, where I met with one of the co-founders of TomTom, Corinne Vigreux, who's actually French, uh, but she's been running the Dutch company's consumer business unit since 2008. And she's been for the company for more than 25 years, I think. So so we had a very interesting conversation about TomTom and some other trends in the European tech industry. I was very delighted to record part of it, that conversation for the podcast. So uh, enjoy our short interview with Corinne. So hey, this is Robin from TechU, and I'm here with Corinne Vigreux, who is French, but managing director of the consumer division of a Dutch company, and also the co-founder of the Dutch company called TomTom. What's TomTom in a nutshell? TomTom is the inventor of SatNav, the company who saved thousands and millions of marriages. Now, TomTom is a company that was founded uh, 25 years ago, and today is a group of uh, four companies. One is a big map licensing company. If you have an Apple phone, we're in it. Also, uh, people like uh, Uber, for example, using our data. We have a telematics company that's uh, looking at fleet of uh, cars uh, moving around and the fastest growing telematics company in Europe, very European. Um, we also have an automotive arm. We uh, have a big provider of uh, either map traffic information or routing to the automotive industry with a big customer like uh, Volvo, uh, Renault, Fiat, and you name it, and um, Peugeot. And we also have a consumer arm, which is what I'm, I'm running, and that's uh, the SatNav, the all good faithful SatNav, but also we're developing a whole range of uh, sports products and sport GPS watches, activity trackers, and action cameras. So different companies, different products, but how big is the group in total? So today, TomTom is about a billion uh, euro, 5,000 people in uh, 35 countries, 50 offices. So completely, truly global as a European brand. Very proud of that. And you also refer to yourself as a big startup. Why do you say that? Well, because hopefully we managed to keep some of our, uh, you know, DNA of innovation and uh, entrepreneurial uh, spirit. So even so, we have a lot of people. We have actually a relatively flat management and really try to coaster the, the, you know, to keep the, that that entrepreneurial spirit. So, um, so I'd like to think that we've uh, we're like a, a big startup. And how do you keep track of innovation in the space, though? I mean, how do you invest? Do you buy companies? Do you go to, to conferences? Do you what do you do? 
Yeah, innovation is key. A company like us at forefront of technology, innovation is, is in our daily, uh, it's in our blood. So we just bought a company we announced last week, Autonomous uh, in uh, Berlin, specializing in autonomous driving. So that's one big area of investment. We You can't afford to be in this space unless you really have an eye on what's happening around you. So we participate a lot in uh, conferences, we travel a lot, and uh, we also encourage uh, innovation within uh, within the company. So that's, that's really a big drive. What's your biggest challenge though? Is it more brand? Is it more product? What's your biggest challenge right now? I think the biggest challenge is we, we, we are tackling some, some big, meaty technology problems. I, I believe that technology uh, can only work if it solves big problem. And on one side, we're solving the big problem of autonomous driving and the future of driving, which will happen because the way cities are run today is, is unsustainable and, and autonomous driving will be a big help towards uh, reducing congestion in cities and accidents and pollution. And we give the city back to citizens, so we, we're working hard on that. And at the same time, uh, with our sports product, uh, the same thing with, you know, we need to live longer, we need to live fitter, and technology will help us there. Same question, but slightly differently. What's the biggest misconception about TomTom? What's, what, what do people think your biggest challenge is? Well, I think some people think we're kind of the statnav of my granddad. You know, we're kind of a company that uh, that uh, we're very well known with statnav, but uh, uh, and they don't realize actually we are really a company that's looking not towards the last 25 years, but the next 25 years. And which we've written a little bit of history. We're proud of that with our satnavs, but I think we're looking now about the next 25 years and and yeah, some meaty uh, technology with uh, for autonomous driving technology. And I think that's uh, people don't realize that. Slightly cliche question, kind of an obvious question, but I'm still going to ask it. Um, you were a co-founder of a, company, a tech company 25 years ago as a female founder, which back then was been, I mean, it's still an issue. Imagine that. But how do you approach that, like being a woman in tech and like, how do you encourage other women to start their own companies and so I, I have to be honest, I never really realized. I think in technology, it's about everybody is, is connected with the passion about the product that you make. I don't think gender is particularly important. You don't have many women in tech, and I'm trying to encourage that to say, well, hey, it's quite fun. And uh, we're writing a little bit of the future history. So, But I think women in general, not only in technology, you don't have enough women in general in, in industry. And I think that's uh, we're trying here at least to make it easier for especially our young female employees, especially when they start getting married and having children, which is normally the time you, you lose them to really make a work environment where they can stay and can strive. We also try to give them confidence. Often women in an organization, sometimes confidence is an issue. So we're also trying to make it a nice working environment and, and, and promote them. And uh, so I think that's, uh, that's what we're trying to do. Personally, I try to mentor young women entrepreneurs. And I'm always I'm a big fan. I can see I've seen some uh, success and uh, of, of uh, women-backed companies that are doing very well. So I'm trying to encourage that and say, look, come on, girls, we can do it. That's great. Final question is about Europe. You're one of the very few companies of your size in tech in Europe. Um, combination of hardware, software, one of the biggest consumer electronics companies, probably the only one of your size in Europe. How do you perceive European tech? What do you think the future will bring, et cetera? 
it saddens me to see that. Uh, so it's nice to be one of the only one. I'd like to see much more technology company in Europe. We've got talent. We've got a lot of what it takes. We can think out of the box. We're creative. And I don't understand why there's not more technology company in Europe. So I think there's big opportunities. Uh, I believe that disruptors will be disrupted. So I think there's a chance for Europe to come back uh, and show the uh, or, uh, competitors in America and in Asia that we are we are capable of creating large organization. And I think in certainly in transport and mobility with a strong automotive industry and a strong technology industry, we can do well. Also in fintech, I think that uh, Europe can do well. So I'm looking towards the next 25 years and a big uh, European comeback. Really good. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, merci beaucoup et au revoir. Merci, au revoir. Super interesting interview. Now, let's close the podcast with a number of interesting news items from the past two weeks, aside from all the European tech funding rounds and exits that we get bombarded with. One is that Lego has launched a safe social network for under 13-year-olds on a new app called Lego Life. The BBC refers to it as a, quote, basically a child-friendly Lego-themed Instagram, unquote. It will let children post photos of their creations and comment on those of others, but with strict restrictions on what they can say. For example, text comments aren't allowed, but users can either use pre-written responses or custom Lego emojis and stickers. Yeah, that's a bit of an odd one, I think. Uh, another interesting news item this week was that uh, European lawmakers have clinched the deal to cap the wholesale charges that mobile service operators pay each other to enable their customers to use their mobile phones in other European countries. So that, you know, you don't have to uh, remember all those details, but it basically paves the way for the abolition of roaming fees starting in June, which, uh, if I may add, finally. So also worth noting, Uber has signed a deal with Germany's Daimler, maker of the luxury Mercedes-Benz brand of cars and trucks. In the coming years, Daimler plans to incorporate its own self-driving Mercedes-Benz into Uber's growing fleet of self-driving cars. Uber CEO Travis Kalanick noted in a blog post announcing the deal that Quote, auto manufacturers like Daimler are crucial to our strategy because Uber has no experience making cars. And in fact, making cars is really hard. <laughs> making cars is really hard. That's good to know. Finally, uh, we have Latvian startup Twino, uh, which is a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform operator. Uh, they recently announced that it has funded 100 million euros worth of P2P loans in nine countries to date. So that makes it a very interesting European fintech company to watch. And guess what? Uh, I will be meeting the CEO of Twino in Riga next week at the TechChill Baltics conference. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to learn more uh, from him then. Thanks, Robin. And that brings us to the end of this podcast, but not before reminding you that if you'll be in Barcelona for the Mobile World Congress or for YFN, we're co-organizing an exciting event on Sunday, February 26th called Mobile Sunday with speakers from Andresen Horowitz, HP Ventures, Fairphone, BMW Startup Garage, and a lot more. So check out mobilesundaybarcelona.com for more information and buying tickets. And please subscribe if you dig the tech.eu podcast. Follow us on Twitter at tech underscore EU for news throughout the week and sign up for our newsletter, which gives you a nice weekly overview of all the transactions we track in Europe. Thanks for listening and we'll be back with a new episode soon. Oh, 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 oh,